Write That Down, hosted by Jacob Novak and myself, Nate Ulrich. This is a podcast where we explore creativity in our ventures, our lives, and our community. This week, we talk about the media that we've consumed that makes us nostalgic, as well as how those emotions affect our own creativity today. So let's get into it. This is actually, I think this is the first time that we have ever recorded in person in my house. Yes. Because we're always, I'm always driving out to you. And I was like, you know what? You're coming out to me this time. <laughs> and I'm struggling. <laughs> this is a very different setup than our usual setup. Yeah. Hopefully but it's fine. you won't notice. I mean, you also might hear some Mopsy panting. Yeah. She's, she's pacing. A, yeah. She's exploring the grounds as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I, I asked you to come here instead because I just got my booster. Nice. And I was like, Way hey. do your part. Yeah. Uh, in case I end up, we, we're recording this later at night in case I end up feeling the side effects. I don't want to be doing a 45-minute drive home Yeah. while I'm starting to feel not great. But I guess we'll find out. It was also just kind of an excuse to not have to go anywhere. So and we got to have our you know our sheets made oh, yeah. to order. You know, mod sticks, good stuff. Yeah, because you hadn't fries. eaten. I hadn't eaten because I had to get the booster. Yeah, <sighs> boosted. It's not what people want to hear, though. Yeah. Well, some might. Maybe. Yeah. Also, also shout out to all the people who are posting about their Spotify wrap. Right. With yeah. us on it. Yeah. What? That's funny. Yeah. That's so yeah, it's cool. Thankful for that. Yeah. Hey, thankful because Thanksgiving was a week ago. Yeah. Almost a week ago at this point. But yeah, what are we talking about today, Nate? I think uh, this is actually something Evan wanted us to to chat about and we'll be interested to hear. Front of the pod, Evan Quinter. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll be interested to hear what other folks have to say about this. So again, reach out to us. But uh, the power of nostalgia and uh, like emotion, emotional, uh, like how... Uh, emotion can drive people to, you know, do things or create things to, to, you know, either replicate that or something along the lines of yeah. that. Um, good, good stories usually tug at the heartstrings or, you know, n- not even that, like just allow people to reminisce and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's something along the lines of maybe there's something that you've seen or watched, or maybe there's work that we've worked uh, worked on that allow us to think back to the good times, right? Yeah. Sorry, Mopsy is currently rolling around on the carpet in this office. Yes. It's very funny. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a, it's kind of a, a broad subject, but I think there's yeah. a lot of different ways that we can go with it. I mean, you're talking about, you know, the reminiscing part. I mean, when I think nostalgia... In terms of like creativity or movies or music or Mm -hmm. games or anything like that. Like when I think of nostalgia, I think of times when I was like six years old watching a goofy movie Mm. and things Mm -hmm. like that. And just like the sense that you get of like sitting in my childhood living room and things like Like that. Like when a theme song comes on or something. Yeah. Like Blues Clues or or something. You know, something that you can, you know, think back and just remember bliss like. Obviously, when you were sitting there watching that show or whatever, you weren't thinking, oh, this is just the best ever. Or maybe yeah. you were. But now now <laughs> you're looking back and you're like, wow, you know, I was around the people that, you know. Yeah. Well, Blue's Clues is still the goat. So. Is, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think what, one interesting thing to talk about, you know, nostalgia and emotional aspects of creativity and things like that is thinking of the things that 
you watched in your upbringing or maybe, you know, young adulthood or something like or, that. Or listened or read. Right. Or, yeah. or yeah, viewed. Uh, that's just yeah, most yeah. of my... Well, read. I did mm-hmm. read Harry Potter a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the author has... We don't need to, we don't there, need to get yes, into it. We understand. Yeah. I still like Harry Potter, though. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just the things that you consume mm-hmm. that wanted you to be creative, that pushed you mm-hmm. to be creative and inspired you to have a similar impact mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, what's, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you mm. uh, that had that impact on you that you can remember, you know, made you think, hey, I want to pursue right. something something right. similar that that has people have the same effect. yeah hmm well i kind of i guess i have a couple examples one uh you know outside of sort of the creativity realm i was just in the car driving over here today and i, I was thinking about some of the live music that our family would go to you know a lot of celtic festivals a lot of uh music and so you know walking yeah. into the house and playing this 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 music and it's songs i haven't listened to in probably 10 years right and and the the memories or my perceived memories are flooding back of just like whoa this is I'm like almost 25 now and I know that's not that's not old right yeah. but that's a long time for me in my life from you know 10 years yeah. ago when that's, I'm 15 that's the whole time I've been alive right yeah so, <laughs> so so like those that that's nostalgia for me so that's and that and and that drives me to want to replicate that feeling in maybe the work that I do. And I know a lot of artists artists try to do that. They strive to do that. And that's how they can connect with the folks who are, you know, consuming their their work. And so I guess on another level of like what we do on like the wedding films is that there, you can make a really cool wedding film and, and you, you won't connect with it unless you were part of that wedding. Right. Right. Uh, but if uh, I think a great way to make an emotional piece of that is to encompass parts of the bride and groom's lives or the, or whoever's getting married, their lives that they can connect to. So ha- adding pictures and, and things of their childhood and to, to allow them to reminisce, like those are emotional ties that you can weave into your story that you're creating for them. Uh, and I guess that's an easy one to look at because it's already like an emotional day and an emotional video. Sure. But in other work, like how we can connect with uh, characters in novels and connect with characters in movies and, and feel their pain or feel their love that they're having with other people. I mean, that's that's good work, right? Yeah. Even Even in paintings. Like if you can look at a painting and see the story or see the pain or see the love or see whatever emotion is being portrayed in the painting, I mean, that's good work, right? So I don't know. There's a lot to go on here, but it, it, I, I think it's fascinating how we can look at something and, and either connect with it or connect with it uh, in, on a personal level or connect with it because somebody else you know yeah. has experienced something that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially, I think, I was thinking earlier today, that's why coming-of-age stories Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, are always, mm -hmm. you know, big ones Mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, just people in general of, you know, maybe you don't often relate to Mm -hmm. the personal circumstances or something like that, but just, you know, it's usually someone who's either a kid or usually like towards the end of high school and just mm-hmm. going through those struggles, those struggles that a lot of us face and things like that, of, mm-hmm. you know, homecoming and prom, maybe other serious stuff, mm-hmm. but that's what a lot of coming of age things. And like decision-making, right? Like there are, yeah. there are things that 
the context of what's happening. Like you could have somebody who's who's uh, you know a hundred years ago. Yeah, obviously a vastly different world going through the same kind of problems that you would go through just in very different contexts. Yeah. The feeling that the beginning of your life is about to start yes. and it's rapidly approaching Yes, and things like that. Yeah, uh, One I was thinking of recently actually that I kind of want to go back and rewatch because I didn't watch it as, uh, you know, when it came out or anything. I forget when it did come out. But Edge of Seventeen with mm. Haley Steinfeld uh who i looked up on wikipedia to see what else i had seen her in because she's now in hawkeye uh and so uh i saw edge of 17 i was like oh yeah that's right i did see that uh and i remember it being good but i was curious to to go back and watch that again but yeah there are a lot of movies like that i mean you can even we talk about harry potter it's a prolonged coming of age story but you know you see the characters of harry potter or ron weasley or hermione granger going through these, you know, more outer-worldly experiences of going to a wizard school, mm-hmm. but also, you know, being a teenager and, and having those, you know, having those those problems going on in their lives. Um, but I think, for me, I, I was trying to pinpoint the time when uh, I really was inspired by other movies and shows to write movies and shows and things like that mm-hmm. uh and have like that lasting impact and i'm trying i was just pulling up my letterboxd account uh which i believe i've mentioned before but it's basically just a way that you can log all the movies that you watch and things like that and i was going through the release dates to see what's the earliest like uh non-blockbuster movie that made me feel things uh that i watched that drove me to that. But I think what might have been the real catalyst is obviously I was watching and playing and reading a lot of things growing up. But the big thing was probably in 2012 when the Avengers came out. Mm-hmm. Because, not because that, that, I mean, I love that movie, but not because it shook me to my emotional core, but that got me into the Marvel Cinematic Universe at large and the Marvel Universe at large, uh, which then had me looking up, oh, what else has Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans uh, or whoever it might be been in? And then it's just kind of that exploration of seeing, oh, Michael Keaton was just in Birdman. That's actually one of the, it was 2015, I believe, uh, when Michael Keaton was in Birdman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emma Stone and Edward Norton were also in that. Uh, And that's one of my favorites of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would probably would never have heard of it unless I kind of just got that base level of you know i like big marvel movies and things like that and then i learn more about what else these actors are doing Mm -hmm. and things like that Mm um which i don't have a point necessarily for that but it's just interesting to to see how it all kind of you know blossomed out Mm -hmm. from there you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah no that's i mean that's obviously a vastly different you know experience and you know or or rabbit hole that you go down that I personally don't, which is what, sure. which was what makes it interesting, which what makes it special is that, you know, you have vastly different in- interests when it comes to consuming media. Like I can enjoy sitting down and watching, watching a movie, sure. like a, especially a Marvel movie. But like, as you know, I have not watched all of them yeah. in the order needed and we'll, to understand everything. We'll remedy that at right? some point. Well, like, cause when, when a little, not to go more off topic, but, uh, you know, like when I would go, 
uh, <laughs> get a phone call when I would go uh, with friends to see one of the Avengers movies or something like that. I, I'm not. I have no contacts going in. I sit down. I watch a whole bunch of battle scenes and stuff, and the good guys win, the bad bad guys die, and, and like that's what I take from it, right? Yeah. But you go in and watch, and you're like, you know all of these backstories. You know everything that's going on, <laughs> and it all makes sense. And and you're excited for the next stuff that comes out because you see the not necessarily cliffhangers, but uh, the threads, you know, the threads, and the ideas that are starting to weave together. Right? Yeah. I don't get that. I, I mean, I don't get that because I that's not my thing. Right? Sure. I can enjoy the movie for what it is, but but the whole storyline, I don't get. So how does that tie back to what we're talking about? I don't know. You have to do that's your job. That's my job. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it's just interesting because that's the nostalgia piece of it, right? Of mm-hmm. going back to the roots of why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, even after that, so so that's what got me really interested in, you know, writing and, and yeah. doing those things. but Or at least more broadly speaking, interested in, interested in uh, more movies okay. and, and things like that. Um but I think I think there's also just a lot of other things feeding into each other. I mean, I had my love of watching videos on YouTube, whether they were like sketches mm-hmm. or or videos about games mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, uh, which got me interested in the video side of things in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just how it all connects together. I like the videos. I want to make the videos. I want to do that form of writing. Mm-hmm. And then as I, you know, get more interested in movies and see more actors and learn about what else they're doing and what one best picture and things mm-hmm. like that, I get more interested in that. And then they just kind of come to a head mm-hmm. uh, as I want to do both of those things together. Mm-hmm. So I think that the point, if there is one, is uh, just it's interesting to go back and see where all those threads come from and where it started and what you got excited about and what you tried to replicate and how you tried to get better and, and and why, and why it's important to not lose sight of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've talked a a few times about the idea of, uh, like you want to enjoy your work, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and not feel like it's a painful process. And I think, uh, one thing that helps with that is just remembering back on the old nostalgia, the emotional side of things mm-hmm. uh, to remember why you started doing this in the first place. And I also think it helps you find your voice and your and, personality and look at the progress that you made. Yeah. Right. Sure. Because because every piece of work that we've done and created, you know, you've gained experience since then or you've gained life experience or, or a different thing that's going to make your work even better yeah. uh and if you can look back on it like you can you know without looking at that piece of work that you did you're you're thinking fondly of it like uh the memories made with the people helping make that project right all yeah. of the people that came together to do something so creative so cool and you look back and you think fondly on it or if it was a horrible experience we, we'd try to erase it from our memory right there <laughs> there are these things that we think about uh and if you do decide to go back and take a look at the beginnings where it all started it it can greatly you know help as you move forward you yeah. know and i i know we talk about this almost every episode about you know how do you get excited about things how do you do this how do you do this uh and you know we don't have answers but when you can connect on that emotional level whether it's to your work or to the people you're working with good things happen yeah usually yeah 
Yeah, I mean, you talk about the progress that you make. And I mean, the first big thing that I did, as we've talked about numerous times, why men, yada, yada, yada. But it's interesting because that original idea I had in high school while I was in the midst of all of my, like, probably the heights of my superhero MCU Marvel love. Uh, And that original idea was, you know, doing X-Men who uh, had pointless powers Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm, Right. Uh, And so, you know, that was not a relic, but just kind of a piece of that part of me that was excited by that in film and media and and all that and so seeing that like come to screen i'm like okay i can move away from that for a second uh and focus on on these other things that are exciting me and now i'm you know coming into things that i got into after the mcu like these Mm -hmm. you know neo-noir thrillers like no country for old men uh things like there will be blood uh in terms of my other project loser kind of more introspective uh emotional things uh kind of coming of age but not really mm-hmm. um but you know the similar idea of just you know there's not a big action set piece or anything like that it's just the emotional growth mm-hmm. of going through normal life mm-hmm. uh that kind of dramedy uh, kind of thing so i think it is also interesting to be able to trace back all those inspirations and then see how it you know affected the timeline of, of the things that i'm producing and yeah. things like that yeah, that's really interesting. That I guess to to continue back on what Evan may have been wanting, the direction Evan may have thought that this sort of prompt would go into, as a writer yourself, how do you incorporate those pieces into that writing? How do you connect, you know, with yourself into that writing without just writing about yourself? And also, how do you know, or how do you? Um, how do you gauge how the how the audience is going to read your work and how do you know if they're going to connect <laughs> with it or not? Like cuz that's a piece of it, right? When you're putting your heart and soul into something uh to make to make someone feel it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a writer so I I, I can't really speak to that. It's funny because I mean, it's that last piece of how do you know that it's going to connect with people? I didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> when I did mm-hmm. why man or when, you know, I'm doing those dumb sketches or when I'm you know, when we were doing Red, the horror movie. And I don't know if it's going to connect with people. Mm. Uh, and so that's why it was important for me uh, in cases with the projects that I, that I take on is, you know, they're all going to inherently have a piece of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I think that that's generally true of anything. Um, can you can you can you bring this into like the mainstream? Can you think of any anything in the past 10 years or, or whenever in, in Hollywood or mainstream media that tried hard to make that audience connection that failed huh. miserably. Do you have something in mind? I'm just, I, I can think of, I can think of movies and, and TV shows uh, that, you know, my lived experience has helped me connect with. And um, I mean, a lot of times when it's human connection, it's very easy to, empathize and sympathize to things i'm just trying to think in 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 some cases is where it's forced it doesn't it's not genuine and therefore you're not feeling the emotion that you're supposed to be feeling and i'm wondering in your you know run through of you know you watch a lot more movies than i if if there's (laughs) anything that comes to, to your head even and if not that's that's fine i'm just curious well i think 
I mean, one thing is I, I tend to watch movies that I'm probably going to like. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. But yeah, I, I think a lot of those end up being like the YA, the young adult mm-hmm. uh, books or movies or whatever that are just trying to kind of cash in on the success of Harry Potter or Hunger Games or whatever it might be. I mean, I was going to say Twilight, but that's just more of, you know, it's not for me. I mean, obviously, a lot and of this other is all people subjective, are connected right? with it. Yeah, it's all right. subjective. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's also a lot of, you know, you think of the, the big Hollywood blockbusters mm-hmm. and things that just aren't critically well received mm-hmm. uh, and are kind of bombs. I mean, one thing that comes to mind is Fantastic Four mm-hmm. from 2015. Um which had a lot going for it on paper, right? Because mm-hmm. Miles Teller, uh, Kate Mara, uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, and I forget the name of the actor for the thing, but uh, yeah, a lot of good people involved there. But I think they just took the wrong elements of what the Fantastic Four as a comic book mm-hmm. meant, and mm-hmm. they just tried to make it this dark, gritty like dark night thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's usually when it, when it comes down to is, uh, and I'm sure it's probably something that over the next few years is, is going to come out, out even more, uh, are, is people trying to understand the kids of today. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and just misreading the room entirely mm-hmm. and focusing on the wrong things. And then mm-hmm. the kids are like, that was bad or mm-hmm. cheesy or whatever. And I feel like, you know, you see some of it. There, there are a couple like SNL sketches or just bad Twitter threads that are, you know, trying to poke fun at Gen Z, but it just comes off as, you know, out of the loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we're probably about to get a renaissance of mm. that for you know trying to do coming of age Gen Z mm. things. Uh, probably Netflix originals because uh, yep. it, it feels like that's where a lot of those kinds of movies are, are headed right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Netflix. Uh, but yeah, that, that is that is interesting. Yeah, uh, to to think about. Mm-hmm. This season, we want to give you all an opportunity to show off your own creative endeavors. So we're starting up the Write That Down Partner Program where every month we'll be using our break to showcase someone's website, YouTube channel, Instagram, Etsy, or whatever else you might use to display your work. If you're interested in becoming a future partner, email us at askwtd at gmail.com. There's no cost. We just want to give our community the chance to interact and support each other. So once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, let's get back to it. So those are not tangents, but tangents of just surrounding the the wide field of nostalgic creativity and emotional creativity and trying to connect with, you know, the nostalgic feelings that people have, whether it's from their childhood or, or you know, you're you're still in your teenage years or childhood, just trying to connect to audiences that way. Uh, but where can we draw practical application as we go back and and i think of you know this is where my love of marvel where my love of writing where my love of comedy where my love of whatever 
comes into play. How how do I use that reflection in in what I do? I guess it what shows up in your work. Yeah. And maybe it's not the main theme of your work, right? Maybe it's just a snippet of it. Yeah. I mean, it it may even be, you know, invisible to an outside viewer and only you as the writer know it's there. And that's what creates the work and that's what makes the work so, you know, whole bodied. So it makes it, you know, full. And that's, that's something that the, the consumer, you know, unless they have a palette for it. Yeah. Knows. Right. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, think of all of these things like, Oh, perhaps it's a song I'm listening to that's invoking some sort of emotion. And I know I haven't experienced that. Maybe it's some guy out on a ranch singing about how he's sad that his you know child is sick and he's not sure if the child's going to survive right back in the 1800s. I can listen to a song like that and I can, I can, you know, be emotional with it and have absolutely no direct connection of any of that. And yet that person, that artist somehow connected some part of his life to this song and that's what I can feel. Yeah. The fact that there is a real story behind this, whether or not he experienced that exact, you know, situation, it, it doesn't matter. So in writing or in video, in, in the in the type of work that any creative is doing, it, it doesn't have to be melancholy. It doesn't have to be sad. Yeah. But when we're talking about nostalgia, we're talking about us thinking about a quote unquote happier time when in fact it probably wasn't. But it's just the way that that works. And so the power of creativity and nostalgia really grips onto or, 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 or has an impact on the stuff we create. And it, 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 it's, it's a powerful thing when done right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all of the influences of, you know, nostalgic media that we've consumed uh, and how those influences influence our work. And so I think of. You know, I think it's easy to try to let the just the mainstream and, and what you think people won't like. I mean, you talk about how do you know that something's not uh, or how do you know that something's going to connect with mm-hmm. an audience? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think part of, you know, just I, I think sometimes you just have to not think about it yeah. too hard because, I mean, I can have a specific sense of humor but I have to imagine that if I make a joke in a script or something, someone out there is going to laugh. And so I was thinking of, you know, why men or even the sketch that we shot uh, to promote season two. Uh, you can find it on our Twitter or Facebook if you're friends with me uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or on uh, YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know. I wrote the first half of this of that script and showed it to you. And then we finished it off together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like a kind of micro directing, uh, when I was like, no, say this line like this, mm-hmm. uh, not because, uh, you know, you were doing it wrong, but it's just because the way that I saw the joke in my head right. had a specific tonality. And I think that that's part of it of maintaining your voice, even if it's not, quote unquote normal I mm-hmm. guess if that makes any sense mm-hmm. uh, I mean in that case I, I I did apologize after the fact because I don't I don't think telling people <laughs> how to read lines is a good form of directing and in fact I think it's pretty bad well when you're talking to a non-actor and I consider sure. myself a non-actor yeah it, it was very low stakes so I, I didn't yes. feel too bad about doing it in the moment 
Uh, but in general, the, this is just your your mm-hmm. unsolicited advice. Uh, <laughs> try to avoid telling your actors how to say a line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but just generally speaking, using those influences that invisibly show up in your script mm-hmm. and not shying away from the the personality that you bring to it. That's the the sum of all those influences. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, this is a bucket of worms. I think part of it is, or one other thing that that I think of with, you know, just tracing back your creative origins and things like that is also using that as an inspiration to maybe step out of the box Mm. a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think a a lot of college films, including my own, uh, are set in college because that's what you know, Mm -hmm. because that's what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. But there's also just so much opportunity outside of that. Like you don't have to uh, write a script or write a song or write a book or whatever it might be. That's just based on what you're experiencing now, even though mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm still doing. Uh, but it's something that I, I'm trying to break out of where uh, it is interesting to just take your experiences growing up or the mm-hmm. things that you enjoyed as as a kid and do something in that vein, in that genre. Uh, and just kind of expand your wheelhouse there. Uh, not everything has to be from the perspective of some 24-year-old dude. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can do 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, teens, mm. uh, you know, something like that. And I think there's a lot of room to just reflect on uh, what you have consumed and what you've made uh, and just kind of use that as, you know what, I think I want to make something for a different audience than what right. I differently. But if you're going to do that, you have to have done your research. Right, yeah. Like you can't just just think uh, about, you know, making yourself a six-year-old person. Yeah. When in no. fact, you know, you're not even close to 60. You have no idea yeah. what, what 60 years of life brings to picture. I mean, that's what we're talking about when yeah. you're talking with a, with somebody of like an age, right? How does a person like that think and feel and how does 60 years of life make that person do that stuff? Yeah. So, so I completely agree, but to just push the point a little further when creating these sort of things or putting yourself in or, or writing about something that isn't your voice or isn't your perspective that either that research has to be there or, or you need, you need consultation. You need, you need, you need that perspective that real perspective in it otherwise it's fake and i think that's where things fail right i think that's where that connection is lost because it's not portrayed correctly yeah you you need to i think it's two key points of one making sure that your connection to the material is still there and that you're not just you know pulling something off of a, a shelf in a library uh, but also making sure that it is authentic. Mm-hmm. It, I guess, in in a phrase, making it authentic and authentically you mm. uh, is is maybe the way I would put it. Mm. So so using your emotional nostalgic connections to explore different opportunities, uh, but also like you said, making sure it's not in a bad way. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I also agree that you, it is uh, you should create content about stuff that you do know, and and that's what we're talking about. It's like you know you can do research to then create stuff. 
But you should always create stuff that you know, because if you can talk about it, you can write about it. If you can talk about it, you can make a video about it. If you have those type of skills to do that creative work. Yeah. And that makes everything easier. Yeah. Right. And that, and that doesn't just mean like, oh, hey, I know about, I don't know, woodworking or mm-hmm. something. So I'm mm-hmm. going to write about woodworking. But you could. You, you can. But, you know, it's I think a big part is in terms of writing what you know is writing the personality and the emotional beats that you know mm-hmm. and if you want to put it in a specific setting if it's sci-fi if it's fantasy if it's in the 60s or if it's in the future which i guess is still just sci-fi uh <laughs> uh you know you can do your research to to fit it there mm-hmm. uh well, otherwise, that, that doesn't have to be the piece that you know yeah well that otherwise uh, you're just stagnant yeah right, right. As, a, as a person creating things if you're not continuing to do things different yeah it's and how many authors and how many musicians and stuff out there who you know are talented just they make the same stuff yeah just with different words or different chord progressions but it's like the same and i'm not saying that that's bad it's just it's not growth and that's sort of what we're looking at here as well as when we're looking back in nostalgia we're looking back at the power of creativity in nostalgia i mean without staying in the past, we have to continue to grow and move forward and continue to try to tell stories that have that power. Yeah. Right. Because in 10 years, whatever you created now is going to have that power, but perhaps we won't experience it in the same way. Yeah. So I think, I think the, the big takeaway, I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot of, of different things in this bucket Mm -hmm. of worms, as you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think, you know, it'd be cool to hear from you of, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a fun exercise to trace back, like, why you started writing this kind of music, why you started getting into this kind of genre, what inspired you to do the creative thing that you do. Uh, And, you know, whether that's that allows you more insight into what you're currently doing or offers you more insight into what you can be doing uh, that maybe has been lost along the way mm-hmm. or something like that. So feel free to reach out because I'd love to hear those stories. And maybe there are also some good brainbow suggestions in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of just mm-hmm. things for us to just improv and riff off of what we can make out of a, a random prompt or a, a experience or something like mm-hmm. that. And like what type of, what type of art, you know, stimulates the, your brain to to do things yeah what 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 type of art has a, a call to action that's not um you know seen by everyone because you've experienced that you can sympathize with what's going on yeah right connect with us like is it music is it a certain song and then why a lot of times that, that can be like personal information but if you if you're if you feel up for it i mean we we'd love to know that and we'd love to have a conversation about that Jacob has all his stories about his Marvel stuff and his comics and how that, <laughs> you know, how that influences his work today. You know, I, I talk about all of the, the different songs and stuff that remind me of the past and how I try to incorporate that into, you know, films so people can feel like, you know, wedding films and even marketing films so people can feel that emotion because those are those are good, you know, videos to work with. You know, you want someone to buy something, we're going to make someone feel something, right? Yeah. So it all ties together and it's the difference between creating something that people can connect with and, and, and not. So, yeah. Mm, cool stuff. I'm really hoping that people reach out. Jacob, yeah. please do ask WTD <laughs> at gmail.com. Nice. Been getting some good emails. We'll probably yeah. have to do uh, We sure have. Well, I, well, 
honestly, it'll probably be too much to do in one episode. We'll probably have to do a couple mail time episodes based off of that. Yeah. Uh, But uh, I guess with that, if you have nothing else to add, uh, we can hop into some definitely not procrastinating. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you want me to start or you want to start? I want you to start. Okay. Like I said, you know, I'm... I'm usually a little different than Jacob when it comes to this, okay? <laughs> I will not lie to you. So, you know, in case in case those folks out there who are listening are wondering, uh, this past year I decided to t- decided to go hunting again mm. for, you know, Pennsylvania. There's a lot of uh a lot of force um and I uh a couple years ago before I met, well, I guess when I met Winter, she she had grown up as a hunter. She had grown up in a family that hunts. And, uh, and I'd never done that before. I actually, it kind of pained me to, to think of somebody going out into some, some natural habitat and shooting and killing an animal. Right. Uh, and that pain is not, that pain doesn't go away. Like, you know, so I've, I hunted last year and I hunted this year. And so I have, you know, shot deer and I've, I've eaten them and, uh, I've changed my mindset about it. I was never against it. I was never against it. Um, but now that I've experienced it, it is hard for me to go into a grocery store and pick out a piece of meat and think that there was no life behind that meat, hmm. right? So there's an important perspective to go into, you know, when you're eating food and you're eating meat and, you know, life is precious. As a hunter, as somebody who's gone out and, and been out in the woods and experienced, you know, the cold and, and you know, waited and waited and, and you know, was a part of the world, you know, humans have hunted for thousands of years, right? Being a part of that can help you appreciate life and how precious it is. And it also shows that, you know, the way that our current food system is, it's completely screwed up. So, you know, being a part of this, you know, going out to to harvest food and nourish myself with that food makes me feel better about myself when I'm, you know, eating food we have to eat to survive sure not not saying we have to eat meat but i'm not going to stop eating meat so i might as well do it in (laughs) in an ethical way sure so long story short last week i ended up getting a deer and it will feed myself in winter in our little family and before i went out to to hunt uh my brother-in-law lives out in montana they're listening shout out (laughs) he and noah uh, he sent me a book in the mail. This is a little book that all hunters in Montana have to read. Okay. And it's called Beyond Fair Chase, The Ethic and Tradition of Hunting. Uh, and let's see, it's by Jim, maybe Postwitz, P-O-S-E-W-I-T-Z. Not sure how to pronounce the last name. Anyways, this little book, quick read, has a couple of different stories. And what it does is it, it basically teaches you how to make an ethical shot and know when you're in the right or wrong as a hunter and how to do it the correct way. Okay. Obviously, you know, you can get on a tangent and it's very, you know, very different than our creative stuff that we talk about here. But I think it's important to, uh, to talk about the things that you're getting excited about and, and learning about and doing research on. And that's a part of life that I'm, you know, excited about and getting interested in and, you know, really understanding that life is precious and I'm a part of that life's like that ecosystem i'm part of that and if i'm going to eat that food it's going to make me strong it's going to be a part of me so that's like something i've been getting into lately so sure yeah 
All right, Jacob, let's hear about some Marvel comic or something that you, you've well, been in. So, yeah, see, here's the thing is you, you bring some interesting out-of-the-box things to definitely not procrastinating. That's what people want. They want to hear what you have, and then, and then they're like, oh, Nate, he just BSs it, doesn't he? Well, see, here's the thing is now we're really getting into movie season of a lot of movies that are... <laughs> oh, movie season. Yeah, well... Is that such a thing? Well, this is when all of, like, the Oscar movies, oh, okay. or a okay. lot of them, come out. Okay. So I I've, I have to play catch-up and try to watch as many of these as I can. Mm-hmm. I have a couple that I watched this week, but I think I'm going to save one of them for next week. So first, this was actually on Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, I went, uh, while I was in Ohio, uh, visiting family for Thanksgiving, I went to a theater out there. Uh, to watch Belfast, uh, which is a new movie uh, written directed by Kenneth Branagh, who uh, you might know. Uh, he's done a lot of like Shakespearean movies, both acted and directed. Uh, he was Gilderoy Lockhart in uh, oh. Harry Potter. That's probably where the the masses know him. Uh, he also directed the first Thor movie, uh, which is interesting because that's definitely the most Shakespearean of all of mm. all the Thor movies, uh, which is funny. Um but this is written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, uh, and it's semi-autobiographical about his time growing up in Belfast in 1969, uh, which is, you know, yeah. the troubles, right? Turbulent times. Yeah. Uh, and so it is from the perspective of like a nine or ten year old kid, mm. uh, you know, living uh, there and just the the tensions between, you know, the two different uh, denominations of of you know, religion and things like that. Uh, while he's, you know, just being a 10 year old kid, mm-hmm. uh, and going through school and, and it's like, Oh, there's this girl I like and, and things like that. It's, it's a really cool, well done thing. Uh, it's also got some, some good actors. The two that I can name off the top of my head are Jamie Dornan, uh, and Judy Dench, uh, is in there. Um, but yeah, Belfast, it's, it's hard to find now, at least around here. That's why I watched it alone in Ohio is because when I looked it up on Fandango, like there are 20 theaters around me that had it. But where we are now, uh, none of the like four theaters that I have gone to had it. Mm. So it's like I got to get it out of the way now or else I'm going to have to pay $20 to rent it Mm. on Amazon or something like that. Um, So, yeah, Belfast, I recommend watching it uh, if, if you can. It's definitely... Uh, it's, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, a cool coming of age thing, mm-hmm. uh, but just in a in a different setting, in a different uh, kind of way, and, and things like that. Mm. So, well, I can always count on you to have names of actors, years of stuff coming out, all that. I can always count on you for that. <laughs> so that's why that's why we have you on the show. Yeah, well, it's it's, <laughs> it's funny because uh, I was talking to my dad about it because uh, I asked him. My parents wanted to go see it mm-hmm. with me. And they were like, I do want to see it, but not today. And I was like, okay, well, I this is my only shot, so I'm going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I was talking to my dad. Uh, he was talking about, uh, I think it's The Fall. Is a, It was a miniseries or something that Jamie Dornan was in mm-hmm. uh, with uh, X-Files. Jillian Anderson? Oh, you're looking at her? me that I would know. I have no idea. Uh, she was also in uh, Hannibal. Another uh, one I didn't watch. Uh, Hannibal's good. <laughs> I have not seen X-Files. Uh, although my, my dad and brother love Mm -hmm. it. Um, but, uh, he was like, yeah, Jamie Dornan is great in the fall. And I was like, yeah, what have I seen Jamie Dornan in? 
And then I looked him up on Wikipedia and I was like, oh, nothing. I just know that he was the guy in Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) Uh, So there are a lot of actors like that where uh I think I've seen them, Mm -hmm. but I just recognize the name from, Mm -hmm. you know, other things. Uh, But Judi Dench was uh, uh, M in the Daniel Craig Bond movies before. Another one I finds. Yeah. Well, what else have I seen Judi Dench in? I don't know. We don't have to get into it. I'm not cultured for this, I think. Listen, maybe that's a series we need to do. Is like yeah, a, a movie yeah. club where I force you to watch this like <laughs> this this random movie that's not a like a blockbuster or uh-huh. something like that. And if you think that's not a good a good idea, uh, tweet at Jacob. Just say no. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> just no. Otherwise, it's happening. So you'll have to. You'll oh, have it's to happening it. now. Okay. Uh, not like we have enough segments that we haven't that's gotten back true. to yet. That's true. But well, we'll have another. We will have another. Um, you know, I think that that just about wraps it up. It's been great getting back. We're only what two episodes into season two. Yeah, we got a lot more coming for you. We got a lot more folks invited to the show. If you're interested or want to be a part of the show, reach out to that email. If you want to be a partner for our uh, midtro, our break. Yeah, yeah. Speak to that, Jacob. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you have a YouTube channel, an Etsy, uh, uh, uh an Instagram, or whatever it might be. To something that that shows off your creative work, whatever it might be, uh, it can really be anything. SoundCloud, uh, SoundCloud. Let's hear your mixtape. Anything that you want to, you know, have people listen to or watch or, or see, and just you know, get that audience or something. We have a community. Might as yeah. well, might as well put it. To we good we use. have people listening, and I think if other people listening want to see what other people who are listening are doing, then uh, you know, feel free to reach out, and then we can. Uh, uh, get you uh advertised. Yeah, uh, no cost or anything. No, right, right, right. If you're trying yeah. to sell pottery, send people to your Etsy. Come on, this yeah. is this is what we're trying to do. Yeah, just a, a cool way to connect people and, yeah. and have people be able to show off their creative endeavors. Yeah. All right. Alrighty. Well, with that, I guess. See you next week. I'll see you next week. Sounds good. Is that crazy to say? Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening write that down is produced by nate ulrich and jacob novak music for this podcast includes answered by ketza and dream 13 by punch deck you can find both artists in the description for this episode along with links to our social media if you'd like to be part of the show, you can email your questions, topics, rainbow suggestions, and more to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Bye.